0: Hey, it's Nancy. Before we begin today, I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to Crime Beat early and ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime.
1: A listener's note. The following episode contains coarse language, adult themes, and content of a violent and disturbing nature, and may not be suitable for everyone. Listener discretion is advised.
0: When I meet with victims' families, they often share vivid memories of when their lives were torn apart. For homicide cases, it's usually the moment they were informed their loved ones were killed. It's the worst
2: part of policing, having to do that.
0: Over nearly two decades, Staff Sergeant Darren Smith has met with countless families.
2: It never gets any easier. You know that your words are going to destroy them and there's nothing you can do to spare them that pain. So really, it's being direct with them, telling them what happened. They're gonna have a lot of questions, but there's nothing you can do. You can see as you're talking to them, their life is crumbling in front of you.
0: It's even tougher when multiple families are involved.
2: I think I take years off my life every time I do it, but it's, it's what you have to do.
0: I'm Nancy Hickst, a senior crime reporter for Global News. Today, on Crime Beat, the story of Alan Penny Legion, Sean Boschuk, and Taylor Toller. This is Shattered by a Call. In the summer of 2018, a call to 911 sparked a major investigation in Calgary.
3: Calgary Police, what is the address of your emergency? Oh, it is 2000, Apple Village Court,
0: That call led police to multiple scenes where they uncovered a senseless killing spree. To better understand how this case unfolded, I need to take you across town from where that 911 call was made to the northwest Calgary community of Hidden Valley, that's where Al Penny Legion and his wife Sean Bochuk lived. They'd been together since the late 90s and had a blended family. The couple had five kids in total. Their youngest son Jordan was 17 at that time and still lived at home. Sean had a daughter and a son from a previous relationship, Alexis and Dustin. In the summer of 2018, Dustin was 25 and moved back home. He was living in the basement. Al also had two kids from a previous relationship, David and Adam. I got Adam to explain the family dynamics a bit better.
4: We were all pretty young, so I was about two or three. David was four or five at the time. Um, Alexis was the oldest, I think six, seven, eight, around that age. And Dustin is the exact same age as David. Um, So they they kinda clicked, but at the same time, it was two families coming together and we didn't want them in our house. They didn't want us in their house, but the two parents wanted to be together. So we all just kinda dealt with it as kids. We would fight and laugh.
0: Before long, the titles of stepmom and stepdad melted away, and they just became mom and dad.
4: She just stepped in and was mom from day one. Like, that's what we called her. My dad was like, she's mom. So we just continuously called her mom.
0: David is the eldest of Al's kids.
5: He always pushed us to do better, you know? Like... He was honest a lot about like grades and stuff. So he he obviously wanted the best for us in any in any situation. Everybody too, uh, his his uh, biological kids and his stepkids as well. Like it was it was love for the whole family.
0: Jordan said, "By the time he came along, it just seemed like one family."
6: Growing up, I didn't really know or see the difference in like the fact that they were my half brothers or full brothers. Like I didn't know they came from. Different parents or anything like that until I kind of grew up and heard about it and just stuff kind of came up.
0: The family's patriarch, Al Penny Legion, was a longtime salesman who loved sports.
4: He brought us all up into sports. Um, we all played soccer at a young age, like from the point we could walk, we were kicking a soccer ball. Um, he I don't know how he managed every community sport we played. He managed to become the coach of the team that any of us were on. Didn't matter if it was soccer, football, hockey, lacrosse. He just knew how to play the sport and would start being the coach.
0: Because of Jordan's ongoing success in football, coaching became a bigger and bigger part of Al's life as the years went by.
6: So we had a dynamic where like, I wasn't only learning from him being on the field, but I was also learning like his his coaching. So it helped, it helped me a lot on the field to know like a coach's perspective from being a coach and then learning from him being a player.
4: Seeing his kids happy was top of the list for him to make sure that his his life was fulfilling. Like he wanted to make sure that there was nothing that we missed out on.
0: Meanwhile, Sean Boshuk, the family's matriarch, was a nurse with a caring and compassionate nature.
6: Like I remember when I broke my arm playing football and then I went to the doctor and they literally were asking me how it was healing so fast. And I didn't know, my mom was just giving me all these different supplements and it seemed to be working. So it was pretty funny to like, almost have that advantage, I guess.
4: Like if we were at a family barbecue or what, if somebody hurt herself, everything dropped and she was there trying to help them. She, she was a nurse first, a mother, a mother first, but like both those things came together. After seeing how much she cared about not only making my dad happy, but making sure that it wasn't a single kid that got something more because it was her kids. It was, we're all their their kids. So if Dustin got a cell phone or Alexis got a cell phone, we all got a cell phone or an iPod if I was too young to have a phone. She wanted to make sure that we were all happy just like my dad did but my dad wanted to to or to make us happy by pushing us to do more my mom wanted to be you know consoling at home and make sure that we all felt like we were accepted so she was she's a pretty amazing woman
0: in the summer of 2018 across the city from and Sean's home in the southeast community of applewood Taylor Toller had just moved into a new apartment. She was 24 years old. Her mother, Joanne, said she had a kind spirit. There's no words that can get across
7: how sweet she really was. For anyone that met her, just she was a sweet, sweet girl. So I work in fund development. I'm, I work for charities and her dad works for charities. So she grew up with that same kind of philanthropic spirit. I would drop her off and she just she had a senior that she would sit and visit with and read stories to and, and just keep company.
0: One of Taylor's favorite people was her grandmother, Joan Pattinson. Joanne was, let us have her for the weekend lots of times and
8: uh, she'd just become part of our life. She was actually like our daughter. <laughs> I hated to have to send her home.
0: <laughs> in high school, Taylor became friends with Al and Sean's son, Adam Penny Legion.
4: And we ended up working on the carnival out in BC for six months. We kind of took Taylor with us because she wanted to go do something and she was like, yeah, let's, let's do it. So we all, we were all quite close there, being that we all left Calgary and met you know, 40 new people and randomly started traveling around B.C. with them to do, like, well, set up and tear down carnivals and be carnies for six months of the summer.
0: Not long after they returned from B.C., Taylor started dating Adam's older brother, Dustin Duffy.
4: I I think a lot of what brought Dustin and Taylor together was their mutual drug use.
0: Taylor's family said they knew she used drugs recreationally but never believed it was a major problem. Here again is her grandmother. She
8: wasn't a drug addict as far as I was concerned because I could pick her up at 8 o'clock in the morning to take her to work. Sometimes she'd miss her bus. I'd take her. She, I mean, she looked like she just always smiling and she always pulled her hair up in this little fussy thing on top and just, you know, not a care in the world, get in the car and, um, you know, like she couldn't have, been having drug. Well, I don't know how fast they, I know
0: they don't get a new system fast. Taylor's mom said she had concerns about her relationship with Dustin almost from the get-go.
7: Because they were engaged when they were quite young, I think in the first year they were engaged. Um, I didn't really get to know him until later on he just seemed like the type of guy I did not want my daughter dating he um, just seemed to have a big ego and he he came off like a player actually it's just not somebody I'd want my daughter dating Dustin actually that's one of the other reasons that I didn't really approve of the relationship he was working as a male stripper for a while I know I found some I found some needles, or maybe my, it was my mom that found some needles. Uh, and so we had a talk with Taylor, is he using intravenous drugs? And and no, he was using them for steroids. And I remember her calling me once that she needed money because he had taken the money and spent it all on steroids because he needed it to do his bodybuilding for the, the dancing.
0: Early on in their relationship, in December of 2013, The couple moved in with Taylor's grandparents, but not long after, there was an incident. We
8: had uh, American money in, my husband did in his um, uh, dresser drawer, and I went to get it and I couldn't find it. So when they came back, I, I said to Taylor, you know, like, I can't believe you did this. I really can't believe you did this to us who, And she just looked at me and I said, get your stuff and get out. I know it was Christmas Day, but I couldn't help it. It was $900 American money. And so I didn't go downstairs while they were packing. I just went in our bedroom. But my husband asked her what they did with it. And she said it was drugs.
7: caused a big riff in our family because then Taylor started lying to us about what she was doing because she didn't want us to know that she was with Dustin. So then I would catch her lying and my mom and I would end up fighting because I would get in the middle of their relationship because of the the lies that Taylor was saying. and, And I mean, I understand the family got together and did not want her dating Dustin and she tried to hide it from us.
0: Adam Penny Legion said that his parents were also concerned with his brother's behavior.
4: So Dustin at a young age I think it was 18 maybe maybe around 18 he started getting to into like hard drugs. Like Dustin was actually the first person to introduce me into hard drugs. Like I'm I'm completely clean now but he He loved doing drugs, whether it was cocaine, or smoking pot, or steroids. And there was a point, I I think I was 16, I found steroids in his room. And I was like, what the? Like, and I brought it to my parents and they were like, they lost it. Dustin had claimed that he'd never done them, it was nothing. And he just, he continually did steroids and went to the gym and just got, well, got huge. He was a massive guy. Like the amount of steroids he was doing and like the amount of working out he was doing was making him into somebody that, if you look at a picture of Dustin when he was young, he was long haired glasses, nerdy kid. You look at a picture of him, 18, 19, he, well, he looks like a stripper. He, he's, He's got a chest out to here and he's walking around like this. He's huge. And when he got into that physique, I I think one of his friends was a stripper. And he was probably like 18, 19. He started traveling around making money stripping. And the drugs never stopped. I think he stopped doing steroids at some point. I can't tell you when. I I don't know. Um, And then he got into with Taylor, he got into doing a lot of hallucinogenics and moving into um, crystal meth.
0: His younger brother, Jordan, remembers their dad telling him about Dustin's drug use.
6: I guess as I got older, I, I got filled in a lot more on, on what was going on because maybe like my my dad and my siblings are also worried about me because I am living in that house as well. So like just telling me, kind of filling me in on what's going on with him. Not trying to portray him as a bad person or anything like that, but just making sure I know that, like, what's going on with him, so.
0: Adam said Dustin put a strain on the family.
4: My dad was never scared of him, but my dad also didn't want to anger my mom. So my mom telling Dustin to leave and Dustin would freak out on my mom and my dad would start pushing Dustin to get him out of the house and say, no, like, get out of her face. You're gone. I need you out of here. And Dustin would push back. And then my mom would start crying and say like, don't fight. My dad was like, I'm not trying to fight him. I'm trying to get him out of here because he's yelling at you. And uh, like police would come and just tell him to leave for the night. But because my mom loved her kids so much, like all of us, anytime somebody was being kicked out of the house for, you know, whatever you did or telling you to go to your room or whatever, if the other parent didn't like it, they were trying to not hurt each other so it was, like, so
6: back and forth. She was just upset that, like, she's kind, of, she's putting in the effort over and over again, and he's just, like, not reciprocating, even putting in the same amount of effort to try and get help, no matter what it may be. And then my dad would get frustrated because it's like, well, she's putting in all this effort. He doesn't know what to do, but he also sees that nothing's kind of helping the situation, so.
0: Dustin and Taylor's families both felt the relationship wasn't working. Together, they were like oil and water. By 2018, they had been together for five years and often lied to their families about the relationship status. Here again is Taylor's mother.
7: Yeah, actually his mom and I were having conversations about how we could... We both felt the relationship was quite toxic and they needed to get away from each other. So we were trying to work up a plan for how we were going to do that. I I knew that this she, he and she were going down a path that,
0: I mean, I could see it all over Dustin, which is why we
7: didn't want her with him.
0: In July of that year, Taylor moved into a new apartment and turned to her grandmother for help as she settled into her new place. Her her
8: apartment was so hot. It, it was a hot, hot here, you know, outside too. And they, she wanted a fan. And I was being the good grandma. I wasn't giving her the money.
0: On July 25th, 2018, Taylor's grandmother got her a fan and a new phone. She said Dustin had taken the old phone the night before. We
8: dropped her off and I didn't hug her because I was still upset at her because she's, you know, I thought the same thing, it's gonna be the same way again. And we talked a little bit about getting more education and she said, oh, I got it it all under
0: control. That night, she texted back and forth with her grandmother.
8: I Dropped her off at about four o'clock then. And by the time I got home, there was about four texts there from her, you know, saying different little things that she, that's the way she was.
0: But by the next day, Taylor stopped responding.
8: And, and I said, what, did you lose the phone already? Or something like that. Still not thinking there was anything serious. Like I said, I thought she'd maybe gone to a girlfriend's um, or something.
0: Taylor's mom was
7: also concerned. My mom started texting me saying that she was really worried about Taylor, that they had gone over there for dinner and that now she she wasn't answering her text messages, and she wasn't she just disappeared. So then I started trying to get a hold of Taylor. Um, she wasn't
0: getting back to me. Days went by, and there was no word from Taylor. Her grandmother called police, who dispatched an officer to her apartment. And I said that she'd been.
8: As far as I was concerned, she was missing for five days, and I was just really concerned. And he said that he had knocked on the door, and then he sort of listened to see if there was a TV on or something, and there was nothing.
0: Taylor's grandmother said it didn't make sense that she would just disappear. Across town, Dustin was living in his parents' basement. Jordan and his father were busy with football, That week, they had a big trip to BC.
6: But we went to Chilliwack for like the East-West All-Canada Bowl for football. And my dad was uh, one of the coaches.
0: When Jordan got back to Calgary on Saturday, July 28th, he went to a friend's house. The following day, he texted with his dad about the busy week ahead.
6: He texted me on Sunday and he was like, you should probably like come home because we have training tomorrow. And I would go with him early in the morning and then I would go to like go to school or there was no school at that point. So I would go to work with him or something like that. And um, I just told him like, I'm kind of sore today because we just had the whole week of football and I'll probably go on Wednesday. And he was like, okay, hey, just like take care of yourself.
0: Meanwhile, his mom, Sean Boshuk, Message Taylor's grandmother on July 30th. She texts
8: me that, you know, they were concerned about missing. And so I wrote back to her and I said that I was concerned too and I've just put in a missing person. And she wrote back, oh no, I don't know how I'm going to explain this to Dustin. He's going to be so upset.
9: Hi, I'm Christy Lee, the creator of Canadian True Crime. Join me for an immersive deep dive into some of the most thought-provoking true crime cases in Canada. Using facts curated from court documents, inquiry reports and news archives, I carefully unravel and analyze each case, exposing the pitfalls of the criminal justice system that everyone needs to know about. Find Canadian True Crime wherever you listen to podcasts or visit canadiantruecrime.ca.
0: By July 31st, 2018, nearly six days had passed since anyone had heard from Taylor. That morning, a call came in to 911.
3: Calgary police, what is the address of your emergency? Oh, it IP2000, Apple Village Court.
0: That was Taylor's new address.
3: Thank you, and your last name? My last name is Jesse. And first name? So, Thanks, Dustin. You. You. Uh, yeah, tell me exactly what happened, Dustin.
0: The audio is a bit difficult to understand, but the caller identified himself as Dustin Duffy. What he told the 911 operator next shattered two families. And a warning, the details you're about to hear are disturbing. These are excerpts from that call.
3: Uh, I murdered my girlfriend in this apartment last week and I murdered my parents this morning. Any weapons involved or mentioned there? Uh, I do have a weapon on me. What do you have on you? Nice. Right. Okay, I want you to tell me what happened, okay? From what day? What happened this morning? What? To be quite honest, I'm not exactly sure. I don't know why I did it. What is it? And what did you do? I killed both of my parents. Do you need an ambulance for yourself? Do you have any injuries? Me? Yeah, I don't have any injuries, so. so what happened there this morning? I stabbed both of my parents to death. OK, I want you to keep me on the line. And when police come by, I want you to not have anything in your hands, OK?
0: Police arrived moments later. Calgary Police Homicide Detective Lacey Murdoch became the primary investigator assigned to the case.
9: It was 10:30 in the morning, um, and my boss said, you know, we have a triple homicide. That's how it came in and I was this would've been my second homicide investigation as the primary. So, um, it was a little bit chaotic at the beginning. We didn't know what was going on. We just have somebody calling in, saying that they've killed three people.
0: This type of 911 call is highly unusual. It's not often that someone confesses to killing one person, let alone three. I've never heard of it. I've never had that. Dustin Duffy was taken into custody. Police needed to confirm if what Duthie told the operator... Was true. When officers entered Taylor's apartment, they immediately knew something bad had happened.
9: It had been several days um, and it was very hot at that time. Uh, there was a female that was lying naked in a bed. It almost looked like she was kind of tucked in. Uh, and when they pulled back the sheet, it was. Um, A deceased female that had a stab wound across her neck.
0: Across town, police checked Duthie's parents' home.
9: So when first responders entered into the Hidden Valley house, there was a female that was deceased um, with stab wounds in the kitchen. Her body had been dragged from the kitchen into the living room. There was a plastic, um, it almost looked like a shower curtain covering her. Uh, in the main floor bathroom was a male that was deceased. Uh, he was just in his underwear. And um, there was significant amount of blood all the way from the stairs, the landing, into the bathroom. Also in the bathroom with its owner was um, the family dog who was stabbed. Uh, and he was just laying on the male that was in the bathroom in the garage there was a vehicle that had another dog that was slashed in the neck and um, there was another dog that was upstairs in a room that hadn't been harmed there was blood all over the house so there was a significant struggle um, the male had been stabbed, uh, I believe, eight times. Uh, the female had been stabbed five times. From the scene, we could tell that somebody uh, had cleaned up the scene as there was a broom with hair uh, and blood. There was a vacuum that had blood and hair in it. Uh, the There was clothing upstairs outside of the upstairs bathroom that had blood on it. As investigators
0: confirmed what Duthie told the 911 operator, he was put into the back of a police vehicle to be taken to Calgary Police Headquarters.
5: If you could even begin to understand the last week of my fucking life. okay.
0: The officer read Duthie his rights. Still, he kept talking.
6: And you may be charged with triple homicide. I'm I'm going to be charged with triple homicide. You guys already got more than enough evidence.
9: He told him that he's had a rough week, he's killed three people, Um, he doesn't know why he did it, he didn't mean to, Uh, and then he just got a bit belligerent uh, in the backseat of the car. He wanted a cigarette, he wanted all these things. At one point, he had even said, "I." it sounded like he was going to do suicide by cop, is what he wanted. Um, but that didn't happen.
0: On July 31st, 2018, Darren Smith was a detective with the Homicide Unit. He was assigned the daunting task of informing the families of all three victims.
2: Really, if there's anything that we can do to not traumatize them further. Like I've already destroyed their life by telling them that their loved ones are dead. If there's some other pain that I can take away from them or make it a little bit easier for them, I will.
0: Taylor's mom, Joanne, remembers the exact moment that call came in. I saw a missed call from my mom and another call from my
7: ex-husband. And I knew that something bad was happening. So it was actually my ex-husband who told me. And then right after that, Darren Smith phoned me. I was shocked. I I was very unbelievable. And especially to know what he did with his parents as well too. That was, I I didn't like Dustin. I didn't, um, but I just, I would have never, never expected that.
0: Taylor's grandmother was
8: heartbroken. I never, never, I really never thought it was that bad. I really didn't. When I laid down for bed that night, then I, you know, that was when, when it all kind of hit. That this was really true.
0: Adam was the first to find out about his parents' death.
4: And he knocks on the door. So I go and answer it and he goes, can you step outside? And I go outside and I close the door and he goes, do you know Dustin Duthie? So I look him in the eye. I'm like, "Yeah, what did he do now?" That was my exact words, and he goes, "So we have, what did he say? We we have uh, an idea that he has done something really bad." And I said, "What?" And he goes, "Your parents live at one zero one three zero Hidden Valley Drive," and I said, "Yeah, like, what's going on?" And he goes, "We have two bodies inside that house. We can't confirm that it's your parents, but." We're pretty sure that it is, and I broke down. I, I couldn't help but fall to my knees and cry. I, and then they asked, do you know where your little brother is? And I, I got up, like instantly I stopped crying. I, I was like, no, he was supposed to be home. And they go, okay, we have Dustin in custody, but we have no idea where your little brother is. Can you call him? I call him and he doesn't answer and I'm losing it. I'm freaking out, I don't know what to do. I'm crying and running around my house. I call him again, I'm pretty sure he picked up on the second call and I go, where are you? And he goes, I'm at Costco. And I was like, where were you last night? And he goes, I was at a friend's house. I was like, okay, stay where you are. I'm gonna come pick you up. We show up at Costco and I gotta get out and call my little brother over to a police car. So Jordan gets in the back of the cop car, and I look him dead in the eye, and I go, "Look, man, like, this is gonna hit a whole lot different than anything's hit ever." And he was like, "What's going on?" And I said, "The police have a suspicion that Dustin has killed our parents." Jordan's crying. I'm trying to console him, but all I keep hearing Jordan saying is, "It could be somebody
6: else." The reality of it, almost just like being, like connecting and being like, "This is actually real," was the hardest part, I guess.
0: Once Adam and Jordan got to police headquarters, they met with Staff Sergeant Darren Smith. And together, they FaceTimed their oldest brother, David.
5: I was working as a like a, a mechanic at the time in Mississauga, Ontario. And yeah, we were just cleaning up for the day and I get a call from Adam and I was like, yo, just hold on, I'm at work, I'm at work. Then he keeps calling me and I was like, dude, just hold on. I'm like, like, I'm almost done. And then he kept calling me, and I was like, what? And then he told me, and then I just like, I just literally collapsed on the ground.
9: Smith
0: said, one by one, he spoke to each of the family members. But his work didn't end there.
2: You can imagine what all the homicide scenes look like. So we don't want a mother or a brother or a grandparent to come in and walk into that scene and see... What we see as police officers, we saw the chaos. We know how the homicide happened. We see the blood, we see the carnage that took place in this home, the evil that took place in this home. They don't need to see that. So in this case, we, I worked with the insurance company and I worked with another uh, cleaning company so that before the family could go into that house, we made sure it looked exactly like they left it. So it was clean, there was no hint that any crime had ever occurred in that home. So, that when they come in there to be there as a family to celebrate their loved one's life, they're not doing it where something horrific has happened and there's evidence of it.
0: This might seem like an open and shut case. Dustin Duthie confessed to the 911 operator that he killed Taylor Toller and his parents, Alan Penny Legion and Sean Boschuk. But lead detective Lacey Murdoch said, It's
9: not so simple. And after speaking with the Crown Prosecutor, he said, you know, this is when the work begins. Even though Duffy had
0: previously confessed, he refused to give any further explanation to homicide
9: detectives. He was completely hostile. So um, he was swearing. He would not talk to Detective Sweet. And at that point, I mean, there's nothing. He was just swearing and being belligerent. We didn't really have the answer as to the why. There never really is a why, like there's no good explanation, but he didn't share that with us in the interview. Senior prosecutor Shane Parker was assigned to the case.
1: Dustin Duthie was uh, was evaluated right at the time of his arrest, uh, both in a clinical setting and also in a forensic setting to make sure that he was fit. From those initial assessments, it became clear that uh, he had some paranoia from his uh, ingestion of crystal meth. Um, When he was assessed for criminal responsibility by Dr. Metalista, uh, he was found to be criminally responsible.
0: Shane Parker said Detective Murdoch, along with the other investigators from the homicide unit and forensic team, uncovered a trail of evidence against Duffy.
1: So timeline for a crime is always really important particularly when we we don't have witnesses to the crime. Uh, in Taylor's situation, we had an, an excellent opportunity because she was in contact with her grandmother. So we had that electronic communications that they were having at the time. The other thing is she had just moved into a, a condominium apartment style that had a CCTV camera right outside of her door. So it was motion censored in that when uh, there'd be any kind of movement going in and out of the apartment, it would turn itself on and start recording. Record five to 10 seconds prior to, and then after the, uh, the movement had stopped, it continued to process or record for 10 to 15 seconds, and then it would turn itself off. Police reviewing it really had a, a very gr- uh, solid timeline. It was indisputable as to Taylor's comings and goings, and also the comings and goings of Dustin Duffy. So on July 25th, you see uh, uh, early in the morning on the 25th, Taylor was coming in crying. It corresponded with some texts that she'd been sending to someone else saying that her and Dustin had just gotten into a fight and that he'd pulled a knife on her. But the rest of the 25th, we see the couple walking down the hallway hand in hand, uh, coming back as if there's nothing, no problems. In other words, they've made up. And we see that sort of reflected from some of the electronic communications that Taylor is sending in and out as well. Then on the 25th, moving into the 26th, we still see the couple coming and going, uh, walking hand to hand. We've got lobby footage from uh, the two of them being together. There's no issues, apparently, uh, shown on that video of the way they're interacting with one another. The key time comes where we last see Taylor Toller on CCTV Uh, Around 4 a.m., she's keying into her apartment. Dustin Duffy is with her. There's again no issues. But uh, shortly after 5 a.m. on July 26th, uh, Duffy is seen leaving. He takes the time, he pats himself down, he finds the keys, uh, he looks around the hallway, he locks the door, and he walks down the hallway. What he's carrying with him is Uh, what's been called a bed in the box. So not much different than what you would have for camping or if you're using it in your home for guests. And he's dragging that along with him because it's got a little bit of a wheel system and it's got a handle with it. And days later after Sean and Alan are are murdered, uh, that bed in the box is found in the trunk of his car that's still a hidden valley. Inside that box is a towel that had Taylor Toller's blood on it. So looking back now, there's a, uh, sort of looking back in time, you're going, okay, he was taking the bloody towel away. Uh, So that's the 26. The 26. there's not a lot of footprints for, uh, there's no footprints for Taylor, obviously. People are trying to get a hold of her, including her grandmother, Joan, and they're not getting really any kind of a response.
0: You're likely wondering what Duffy did over nearly six days following Taylor's death
1: fairly normal, as I say, sort of some fairly normal levels of communication. There'd been some plans for him to start uh, work, uh, but he doesn't go to the job site. But there is sort of that discussion. There's some discussion from Sean's standpoint that he needs to go into treatment, go into a a residential treatment program for his drug use.
0: How does he react to that?
1: Um, He is balking at it. I think it's probably the... um, fairest way to uh, to characterize it, uh, but is not certainly looking to, to do it. Um, though I say, I don't think was completely resistant to it, but was slow to go, slow to act. So on the 31st, the Crown's theory is that uh, Sean Boschuk is killed early in the morning. She is having an ongoing text communication with uh, Former co-worker, and uh, all of a sudden she stops responding in a conversation around 5:53 in the morning. Um, the other sort of family routine in the morning um, suggests that it was an early morning attack on Sean Boschak. It happened in the kitchen. Uh, chairs were knocked over. Uh, there was some blood spatter on the Venetian um, blinds or blinds in the kitchen. That suggests that it, it was right by the back door for Sean's attack. Uh, at some point in time, either Al Penny Legion comes down the stairs and witnesses uh, the murder itself, or he witnesses Duthie trying to clean up the murder. And once he comes down the stairs, then uh, Al Penny Legion is chased and attacked in several different locations as well. He had suffered some pretty significant injuries, uh, internal injuries to his heart. So it likely would have been fatal. He probably would have died on the landing and then would have been dragged down and uh, left in the bathroom because the bathroom is not an active uh, bleeding site. We're not seeing any attack in the bathroom.
0: A forensic investigator specializing in blood spatter offered insight into the sequence of events at Duthie's parents' home.
1: So from the forensic standpoint, there doesn't seem to be a commingling of these scenes and yet they're close to one another. So what does that say? It says we got two distinctive attacks.
0: Originally, Duthie was charged with three counts of second-degree murder. But the prosecution said the blood spatter evidence showed there was more to it.
1: So we had two pathways in law. One was planning and deliberation. And uh, planning, it doesn't have to be a sophisticated plan. It just has to be one that there does show to be a, a plan and then deliberation that someone uh, was, uh, was cautious and it wasn't impulsive. We looked at Alan Penny Legion always as a witness to Sean Boschuk's either murder or cleanup. The second pathway to get there in law is there's, a, there's criminal code provisions that if you kill a justice participant who is also described in the, in the criminal code as a potential witness, that is also triggers first-degree murder as well. So there was two pathways in law for uh, Dustin Duffy to go down on the first-degree murder of Alan Pennyledge, And because of the blood evidence and what that was telling the officers, what that could tell a court of law.
0: Following a preliminary inquiry, Dustin Duffy was ordered to stand trial for two counts of second-degree murder in the deaths of his girlfriend and mother. And one count of first-degree murder in the death of his father. Adam told me, just weeks after their parents were killed, he and David planned to drive their father's vehicle to Ontario. The same car that their brother drove to Taylor's apartment after he killed their parents.
4: So we started unpacking the trunk and there were suitcases and clothes and wallets and credit cards and all this kind of just, you know, random stuff and Sheila, my mom's, one of my mom's best friends, was like, we should record this in case. And I can't remember how, like, what clicked in her mind to say that, but she started recording. That sure makes you wonder what the hell is in it. Well, it is. And we pulled out a black, almost baseball-sized, this is mine. like, tape ball. It was all electrical tape.
6: Just don't lose any of those pieces. You might need it to place it together.
4: I can't remember if it was me or David, but we peeled, like, a piece back and there was a piece of paper on it. And we just continued unraveling it and continually there was little shreds of paper. And I think, I can't remember how many pieces they said, I think it was like 200-some-odd pieces.
5: Oh, Dustin, it's Dustin's writing. It's like a confession.
0: The brothers turned their shocking discovery over to homicide detective Murdoch.
9: Uh, Adam and David both said that's his handwriting. And through our search warrants, we had other notes of his and handwriting kind of samples of his, and it was the same.
0: Prosecutor Shane Parker said a highly skilled and tenacious forensic investigator somehow pieced the letter back together like a puzzle.
1: I don't know how he did it. I, Because I, it's not like you've got the box to see what the picture is at the end of the day. Um, And there's a couple couple chunks of the paper it's missing. It's also multiple pages. So this is where the task gets a little harder. It is a note written by Dustin Duthie. That part is clear. From the tense that he uses in his note, the content, it's written after he kills Taylor Toller. So it's not a pre-planning note. But one of the things he says along with others is he wanted to feel what it was like with cold steel through human flesh. When he decided to have that desire is not clear from the note whether it was an impulsive feeling whether it's him looking back at killing Taylor Toller and putting that spin on it only Dustin Duffy will know. But that's what made it more complicated because that note uh, could cut either way as to whether he had planned and deliberated the killing of Taylor Toller.
0: In March of 2021, just days before Duthie was scheduled to stand trial, he pleaded guilty to all three charges. David Jordan and Adam Penny-Legion sat together as details of what happened to their parents was read in court in an agreed statement of facts.
5: I knew that guy was never going to make it past 30 years old without being in jail, but I did not know it was going to be this.
6: Yeah, I got tremors in my body and I, I I. almost felt like i wanted to cry at first when i saw him but i couldn't and i was just shaking and it was like i wanted to cry but i wanted to jump over the railing and go at him but i wanted to like it was just a bunch of mixed emotions but then at the same time it it was over and done with at that point we're sitting there knowing that he's going to go away for 30 plus 35 plus years you don't expect especially someone like in your family you don't expect them to be capable of something like that or even like think of doing something like that whether they're capable of it or not
4: you took away in my life personally or our family's life two people who were the best people you could ever imagine and i'm sure everybody says that about their parents but like two people who would have done anything for you at any age didn't care what you've done wrong would have kept striving for you to do better pushing you to do more and he took that away from us and then he takes away the person that Is pushing him whether it was in a negative way but pushing him to keep going in some way takes her away from her family nobody wants anything to do with him he took away three amazing people
0: duffy was sentenced to life in prison with no chance of parole for 35 years he'll be about 60 years old before he can even apply for release both of the victims' families are left shattered by the senseless actions of a man they were all trying to help. Taylor's mom often thinks about the path that led to her death. Taylor called me
7: one time and I guess her and Dustin had had a fight and she wanted to know if I knew of any... She needed a place to stay and I referred her to a couple of women's shelters because I couldn't enable her um, I needed her to kind of hit her own bottom with Dustin and, and get away from him and do the work that she needed to do. And, and so there's a lot of guilt in that. I think I still made the right decision, but yeah, I knew where it was, where it was going. She was incredibly sweet and she had a, a smile. I mean, you'll see in the pictures, the girl could not take a bad picture. She
0: just had that light. She was an incredibly sweet soul. Joanne Toller has created a permanent endowment fund in Taylor's honor. So after Taylor passed away,
7: we, um, a lot of people wanted to donate. So the whole foundation will support any charity that is for domestic violence or family
0: violence uh, or mental health or addictions. Taylor's grandmother was her biggest advocate and misses her every day.
8: Her smile was a big thing. I'm just so happy. You no, know, nothing seemed to get her down. It's kind of brought us all together in the fact that we're more careful with each other. You know, like because making sure everybody's tucked into bed and, you know, stuff like that. And, and I could see how well she feels what she does about her own kids because that even scares me. I won't take my phone to bed because I'm afraid that I'll get a call in the
0: night. When Dustin Duthie killed his parents, his siblings, Alexis, David, Adam, and Jordan became orphans. Each of them miss their parents in their own way. Here's David.
5: Uh mostly just dinners, just our holiday dinners. It's at every single fair, like family gathering or holiday dinner. It's just it's absolutely tearing me apart because it's it's so different. We'd always have like this big table with everybody there. Like no matter who it was, they were invited. Like Literally, I can go and just make a quick friend on the road at the bar or whatever, and he could be like, oh, I'm not really doing anything for Turkey, and I can be like, come to my house, and they'd be like, arms open, come and eat.
0: Adam honors his parents by putting their advice into action.
4: I am extremely independent and strong compared to what I was before. I think it's because I had them to rely on, but now not having them to rely on, they're always in my back pocket pushing me to do better. And I always look at it in that way that they're still here with me talking to me and telling me how I can be better, you know, days that I want to go home from work because I'm just not not into it. Something clicks and goes, just just finish, man. You got three hours left in your day. What's the point in going home? You know, the same reason, like, when I would come home from school early, my dad would be like, why? You had two hours left. Why didn't you just finish your class? It's the same voice. It's, it'll never, they'll never leave our lives.
0: Jordan has had to grow up fast. He was only 17 when his parents were murdered.
6: It's just like the easy, easy, small things that, that are little decisions that you, you wouldn't think, like, you would want to ask someone until, like they're not there. and you you think about, like, even thinking about a meal that you had a year ago and you want to know how to make it or or a decision on going to this team or going to this team or or do I want to take this course in school, or do I want to do this? Just like that that older figure that kind of has that knowledge and that path for you, I feel like, is is the the biggest part that I miss
0: soon after Jordan found out his father was gone. He sent him a series of text messages. He gave me permission to share them with you. This was Jordan's final farewell. I love you more than anything, and I'm going to do everything I can to make you smile up there. I know you're up there reading this, and just know I'm going to make you really proud. I love you, Dad. Thank you for joining me and letting me share this story with you. Crime Beat is written and produced by me, Nancy Hicks, with producer Dila Velasquez. Audio editing and sound design is by Rob Johnston. Special thanks to photographer-editor Danny Lantella for his work on this episode. And thanks to Chris Bassett, the acting VP of National and Network News for Global News. I would love to have you tell a friend about this podcast and you can help me share these important stories by rating and reviewing Crime Beat on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen. You can find me on Twitter at Nancy Hickst, on Facebook at Nancy Hickst Crime Beat, and I'd love to have you join me on Instagram at nancy.hickst. That's N-A-N-C-Y dot H-I-X-T. Thanks again for listening. Please join me next time.
1: Hi. Her name is Elsbeth.
9: Elsbeth Tassioni. You.
5: you know her as the offbeat but brilliant defense attorney from The Good Wife and The Good Fight. You've been a very busy little bee.
0: Buzz, buzz.
5: Now she's in New York with the NYPD.
9: This is very different.
5: But still using her unconventional ways to find the truth. Are you trying to sniff me, Miss Tassioni? (laughs) Elspeth, new series Thursdays on Global. Stream on Stack TV.